Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. Today, talking about the actually, with no irony intended, classic Billy Joel song, Allentown. Allentown is the lead track off Billy's self-proclaimed favorite in eighth studio album, The Nylon Curtain. The song was the second song released off of the album in September of 1982. And yet, as popular as it was, it only peaked at number 17 on the Billboard charts on February 5th, 1983, after spending... 22 weeks on the chart, which is odd for something that didn't seem to be quite popular, even though we know it's very popular. In the rankings, Christopher Bananas, our good friend now, in his 2015 Vulture article, out of 121 songs, Elon, where do you think this very odd man, <laughs> giving you clues all the time, puts Allentown? You said he's a very odd man, so now I'm like, oh my gosh. See, that's the clue. Really- <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I know what my ranking is for this song. I have a really good ballpark of it. And so I know I'm supposed to guess what this guy thinks. And that's like a next level thing. Honestly, anything out of the top 20 would be shocking to me. So the fact that you're shocked, I'm going to guess that he said this was 38. He's going with 51. I we was have a bone to pick with this guy. Yeah. And of course, after we finish all of our A's, we will have him on. Which, is, uh, which should be very interesting. The 2017 Newsday article by Glenn Gamboa has it at least at 18 of 124. That's a little more normal. And as we love to go, the fan ranking, where we believe it belongs out of 121 songs, is 14th. I think that's perfect. I was going to say, this is like my number 10 best Billy Joel song. Somewhere in like the 10 to 12 range. So 14, those fans have it right. I agree 100%. It's definitely in the top 20 for sure. And quite frankly, I mean, the powerhouse song, even though it only reached 17, it's a classic, epic, legendary Billy Joel song and probably belongs in the top 10, like you said. But I'm good with 14. That makes a lot of sense because we're probably not thinking of some of the ones that need to be in the top 10 and this might fall out of it. But 14 is good. When this album first came out, I was in, it was my first year of college. I mean, it came out in September of 82. I'd just gone to college. And I have the album on vinyl and I must have played Allentown. I don't know so many times. Everybody started to get angry in my dorm room. Cause I just kept playing it and I kept playing it loud and I loved it. And I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't know what it was about. I wasn't paying attention to the lyrics. When I first heard it, I was only listening to the, the song itself, the melody, the unbelievable way that Billy Joel can make a song about, closing factories down and and the and the agony that everybody's facing in the u.s into a a really fun song to sing it makes no sense i mean this is why we do the podcast the guy is truly a musical genius and it's very unlike bruce springsteen who does the exact same stuff and yet i cannot understand his stuff is too sad for me and here is billy joel teaching us the same things with a little bit more uplifting energy and I prefer that. I totally agree. The song is bleak if you look at the lyrics, but it's so damn catchy and sounds so different from anything else that it just works. And then after you get it stuck in your head, then you hear the lyrics and then you start feeling kind of sad. Like it, make, it gives me emotions when I hear this song. 
I'm the farthest thing from coming from a small steel town in the middle of Pennsylvania. I don't know what that's like at all, but I can still somehow relate to it. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Yeah, I agree. Well, at first, of course, they didn't. As you uh, might remember in Allentown, they were furious. And then all of a sudden, everybody was like, I don't know. It's a pretty good song. And then they gave him the key to the city. Remember, he was wanted to talk about. I mean, if you, you know, we were in doing the research again, you saw that he wanted to title it Bethlehem, but nothing was rhyming with Bethlehem. So he felt better uh, calling it Allentown instead. But the song was written technically about Bethlehem. Yeah, I love the story. And Billy tells a lot of interviews about how this song came about. And it's really fascinating because so, so much of it was about word choice, which as comics, we can totally relate to. Like he started writing this song in the 70s, originally about Levittown in, in Long Island. And then he realized there wasn't a lot to talk about about Levittown. He just had a tune in the song and the name Levittown. Then he heard about what was happening with the steel industry and thought, okay, Bethlehem, that's where the big steel mill is. But Bethlehem, like you said, doesn't rhyme very well with stuff. So he went to the next door town, Allentown, and that had a good rhyme with it. It sounded good lyrically, and that's what he went with. Well, he was staying at the Bethlehem Hotel. They were playing there in the 70s. So that's why he was coming up with Bethlehem. He was staying at the Bethlehem Hotel. The funny thing about him is here's the first song maybe ever he wrote about somewhere other than Long Island, right? And so Springsteen, you say to yourself, he wrote, he made an album called Nebraska, and you're like, well, see, he did it too. He, he went outside his butt, but he didn't. Because in the song, Johnny 99 from Nebraska, Springsteen says, well, they closed down the auto plant in Mawa late that month, Mawa, New Jersey. The guy can't get out of Jersey. At least Billy Joel went, uh, you know, 100 miles further and <laughs> came up with something else. Because it would be hard for people to anywhere that lived because of what we know of Long Island in just uh, your head, if you're not from Long Island. You know, it's very ritzy, and they and, and we only know from Billy Joe they got fishing problems. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, mostly you're thinking what kind of problems they have. That You can't make a song about the struggles of Long Island unless you're Billy Joe making about a fishing town. So it's a smart move to move out a little further into the country, even if it's not that far, and talk about problems elsewhere. It's a, it was a smart move. And the funny thing is, when I think about that album, when I remember picking it up, and, you know, there was no internet or anything, and I remember seeing that back cover with him bearded, sitting in the suburb with the newspaper and the cup of coffee. And remember, this is right after the Glass Houses album, where he's in a leather jacket, throwing a rock at the house. He's like, yeah, it's still rock and roll, baby. And then all of a sudden, two years later, he's like, well, uh, now I'm a, I, I'm a father. And I, I don't even think it was a father. I'm just saying, I, I, I didn't understand the look. And then when you see, when you hear the album, you get the look. But it's it's such a departure from what he was giving us and he was only 33 but when you see the picture and you hear the album you think he was 43 to 53 yeah he's so grizzled he did what a lot of famous people do is when they get to a certain level of fame which he finally did with glass houses where he's like now i gotta think about the little man the poor guy in this country and so he put on his old his like his weird hat and he had a bindle and he went down the railroad track and and, and uh crossed the country looking for poor people to sing about well, it was very smart. If you take somebody like, let's just as an example, uh, Steve Martin or Tom Hanks as actors, and why do they have staying power? Because they matured in their acting ability, in their comedy. You know, Tom Hanks taking on a little bit, obviously more mature roles since you know Bachelor Party and Spring and uh, Splash, 
and Steve Martin going the same way. You know, they matured perfectly, which a lot of other comic actors weren't able to do. Somebody like a Chevy Chase or something like that. And Billy Joel, I mean, after you put out all these albums where you're like this tough punk guy, just even at the ripe age of 33, takes it down. He says, you know, I'm going to if I mature now, I can have staying power for a very long period of time. And this album is a, a very smart move. And then again, when you think of it, just one, two, three, The Stranger, 52nd Street, Glass Houses. And then sometimes you forget about the Nylon Curtain, but it was nominated for Best Album of the Year, along with the 52nd Street winning, Glass Houses being nominated, the Nylon Curtain being nominated, and The Innocent Man being nominated. I mean, Jesus, that's five albums in a row that just kick ass. You really would think after Glass Houses, there would be a lull. And that's what makes this is why we do the podcast. This is what makes Billy Joel unbelievable. The guy's never had a bad album since The Stranger. Yeah, he had such a long, sustained peak. That's so hard to do. There are some artists that come out, they'll have a great debut album, and then they just slowly get worse over time. And he, he started slow, but when he hit that peak, he stayed there for a long time. It's almost unheard of. And every album, whether you like it or not, has hits that you know by heart and it's a it's really fascinating and especially to take a piece like allentown and a and a and an idea like that and to make it a, a hit he when if you saw the uh did you see the performance in long island in 1982 when he did yeah. it live so how funny is it he's doing it live everybody's into it they're all living in long island they, they probably don't even know anything about pennsylvania as you would know you went to cornell i went to ithaca college uh, no, nobody knew anything about Jersey from Long Island. You know, if they, you know, we went to school with a lot of people from Long Island. They knew nothing about New Jersey. Even they live in a bubble, and there they are singing along with the lyrics. Oh, we're living here in Allentown, and they're closing all the factories. Singing as if they're singing to a Who song or something, knowing all the words a month after it came out. It's it reminds me of like when I'm singing it you know, in college singing these ridiculous lyrics that don't make any sense again. If you're singing it as a joyful song, it reminds me of when my dad came into my room, when I was singing Copacabana by Barry Manilow. And he goes, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, I'm just singing this new Barry Manilow song. It's an odd song for a kid to be singing. You know, like and when you think of it, it is her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. So it's the same thing. If I, if I was that age, and singing, and you had kids who were seven or eight or ten, and they're singing, met him at the USO, and, and your dad comes in like, what, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's fascinating. You're totally right. And um, the other thing that I think would cause a parent to worry about the song is if the, their kid not only liked the song, but really liked the music video to this song. Okay, let's go there. It is oh the most my. homoerotic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Billy Joel himself is on record saying it's gay, really gay. <laughs> you don't even rec when again, I was alive when that video came out. Nobody even thought about it. Every music video was gay back then with the dancing and the 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 pirouettes that guys would be doing and the you just didn't think of it. And he's like, we didn't even notice it at the time. The director, Russell Mulcahy, I think it is. He was like, yeah, you know, now you mentioned it, it was pretty gay. <laughs> it, it's the cra it's so crazy to me because I always thought that like Madonna was the first one to put shirtless naked men in her music videos. But really, Billy Joel, she just stole his thing completely. 
It, this it, video starts out straight. I don't mean straight in a gay straight way. It starts <laughs> right. out following the story of the lyrics. It has these nice montages of people coming back from the war and working at the steel mill. And then about two minutes in, you get the naked guys in the shower, all greased up and muscly. Not just normal guys who might work in a mill, but the biggest muscular guys. And then by the end of the song, there's a whole modern dance number that takes place. There's a guy in Hanes underwear twirling fiery batons. I couldn't even believe that when I saw that. I forgot about that. He comes in in like little short shorts with a (laughs) flaming baton. And it's just like... I think the point of the song is that there were no jobs at the steel mill, so everyone had to get jobs as Broadway dancers. Yeah, yeah clearly. Uh, and they're, they're the most attractive coal workers anyone's ever seen with butts to match. I mean, and, and, it, and the worst actors, you know, when they, that one guy comes out of the shower and he gets let go, and the other guy's in the shower, he goes, darn it. And he hits the thing. And it's like, it's like the worst acting you've ever seen as well, but they weren't hired for acting. <laughs> no, they were definitely hired because they had nice pecs. They were hired for the shower scene. Apparently, MTV uh, aired an edited version of that because of the nudity in the shower scene. Yes, very important to do. Meanwhile, MTV would have been, even though they were ahead of their time, they would have been way ahead of their time showing uh, men's butts other than all women. I mean, it's just so funny. When MTV, everything about MTV was making sure you had a scantily clad woman in it, even if it's a women's song like stevie nicks or pat benatar billy joel decided to go the opposite way very strange so it's funny how different the song allentown is and the video allentown is like if you ask someone do you like allentown if they said well not really the song but i love that music video you get an idea about that person and it's like the exact opposite of saturday night fever where if you love the movie it's very different than the song saturday night fever or staying alive you know it's, it's like if you like the soundtrack versus the movie they're very different. The movie is very hard-nosed, gritty kind of thing, like the song Allentown. And the songs are all just, you know, disco. Excellent point. Excellent point. Well, that's what people will never know when they watch Saturday Night Fever now is that those were popular songs of the time. You know, it's weird, especially, again, living during that time when all these tough guys are doing a line dance in the middle of the show, you know, they're doing the hustle. We all did that. Back, and it was totally acceptable. And in a way, wouldn't it be great if clubs did that, that everybody knew the dances and you could just have a good time and you know, guys could dance and feel comfortable dancing. Everybody knew the moves. It's like being at a bar mitzvah when it's Macarena time and you're like, I can handle this one. Well, that was the thing. when it was That was around my bar mitzvah time when Saturday Night Fever came out, so we all knew the dances. It was very convenient. So you mentioned how Allentown embraced Billy Joel, but at first the city of Allentown was really against this song and specifically their mayor, Joseph Dadana who really did a lot of politician flip-flopping around this song. At first, he really came out against it because it made his city look bad. Then when he saw that the song was really popular, he gave Billy Joel the key to the city. And then he asked Billy Joel through a newspaper article to give the city of Allentown the royalties to this song so that he could put it into some kind of fund for scholarships. And uh, Billy Joel turns him down and said he only supports Long Island charities. Is that true? Yeah. Wow, that's badass cool. Because this guy was such a fucking dweeb about it like you know uh, you made all this money and if you really love allentown where you're a big legend by the way maybe you should give some of that money to us over here well apparently in 83 when he did two concerts or he did one big concert at allentown or in bethlehem he got a five minute standing ovation and performed allentown twice to open the show and to close the show isn't that funny i read about that isn't that unbelievable it's just so funny when i keep thinking about seeing him in concert doing allentown and us loving every minute of it as soon as that whistle blows and you're all like whoa 
And it's just so weird when you hear the song. We're like, why, why are we so gung-ho about it? It's just it's so ridiculous to get all excited about singing about this town that's falling apart. <laughs> I mean, look, this guy's unbelievable. This, this Billy Joel character, he's okay, you know? Speaking of playing this in concert, this is his fifth most played song in concert. He has played it a documented 679 times. Really? So he still plays it up until now, like 2021 or so when we're he never misses it. This is a concert staple. It is always there, just like Piano Man is always there. That's interesting. I I would actually think at this point maybe he would uh, retire, but if that's how still popular it is. What is it? 40 years later? My goodness. It's it seems like it's a a musician's th- like that is a song where he was just like, I'm just done with it. And then, you know, 20, 30 years later, he's like, you know, this song isn't too bad, but you could see being sick of a song like this, where maybe 10 years later, you're like, eh, I don't know what I was doing. I should have made it sadder. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Well, you could tell when he's sick of it, if he's not singing the, Ooh, uh, he, he didn't, didn't do that. He's not into it as much as that, that show from Long Island in 82, where he's doing all that vocally. He's got his one guy banging on a pipe really getting into it yeah the sax player yeah 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 it was great that was a great performance yeah he was just so into it it's his his new song off his new album makes a lot of sense that's the way artists like to work do you think this song helped allentown ultimately or hurt it oh i think it absolutely helped it absolutely if germans are coming over here somebody who are from russia after the after he plays russia don't you think they're dying to see allentown Oh, that is pretty funny, though, because they're like, OK, so we got to hit uh, New York and we will go to Miami and Los Angeles and Allentown. Right, right. Oh, that's on the list if you're a Billy Joel fan. <laughs> and boy, are you going to be disappointed? <laughs> it's funny, again, if you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, you probably can't wait to see what New Jersey's like, too. <laughs> yeah, so you're driving down the turnpike. You're like, wow, look at all these great places. <laughs> is that Mawa? I thought that was in Nebraska. <laughs> All right, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Dave, uh, do you have a stumper for me? Yes, I do. I was going to go two different directions. I can't decide, but I think I'm going to go with this. What is the number of male naked butts in the Allentown video? (laughs) Well, I I watched the video two times, and the second time I specifically wanted to see if there was any frontal nudity, too. And I think there might be a glimpse of it, I will say. There might be one partial penis. But as far as how many butts there are, I'm going to guess three. The answer is four. Four. <laughs> and uh, by the way, my old stage name uh, back in 1975 was um, Partial Penis. <laughs> I thought you were going to say four butts. Four butts and two shirtless dudes. Do you got a trivia question for me? I do. So Allentown was the number 43 song on the 1983 year-end Billboard Hot 100 chart. So for the whole year of 83, it was the 43rd most played song. What song was number one for the year of 1983? I'm going to say Every Breath You Take. That's correct. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't look that up. I just remember. Yeah. Every Breath You Take. It was the hottest song. Go figure. Yeah, which and actually it was a song about a guy who was um, stalking naked steel mill workers. <laughs> well done. Good way to take it home. All right. Normally, Elon, I know this is your time where you usually play uh, a Weird Al song that we you know haven't heard that he's done of all these this Billy Joel catalog that Weird Al has. But I actually, in 1983 
wrote a parody, and I would never do this again, when I was going to Ithaca College called Ithaca instead of Allentown. I look, I found my old 1983 notebook. I remembered where remember where I said I couldn't remember the lyrics of they were coming to me hazily. And then I yeah. remembered where it was. It was in this old notebook where my jokes are also in this. My my jokes where I, I just found a classic. What's up with that Mr. T? That was that's in my list of jokes that I was going to do. <laughs> oh, and I have uh I think this <laughs> I think this thriller album is a fat. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the notebook I have this song in. I just want to, it's interesting because you went to Cornell, so you will appreciate this. That's right. For people who don't know, Cornell and Ithaca College are on opposite ends of the gorge in Ithaca. Right. And Cornell is the classy joint and Ithaca is the, you know, the lesser thing. And there there was a a myth in in Long Island Girls, which was very important to put in. uh, There were a lot of Long Island girls in my school, in Ithaca at least. And they were known as Jewish American princesses. And so that's part of the song as well. But I put it in a politically correct manner, even back in 1983. That's how good I was. You were so prescient. Well, we're living here in Ithaca at the college that we all live and love. Out at Cornell, you well, it's a shame they're eating Maine lobster and drinking champagne. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, our fathers worked their ass for our sakes. Spent their weekends at the Finger Lakes. Met our mothers at the semi-forms. Asked them to dance back to the dorms. But it was like, you know, back to the dorms. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) And we're living here in Ithaca. All right, let me try the second verse. My mother spilled uh, like Lysol on it. So I just have to remember the first part. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just say it's Lysol. Well, we're living here in Ithaca. But we don't know why, but here we are. We all eat Mackey food and it's top rates. That was the school food. Mackey food? Yeah, I guess they were the company that made the food for the dorms or for the, you know, when you would eat at the mess hall. Yeah. The mess hall, I mean, the army. Remember, everyone eats it and regurgitates. Well, we're working hard to get a career, but there are some Long Island girls who don't care. They say to get a job is void and null because it conflicts with General Hospital. Screams, I tell you, Elon. Screams. <laughs> you have no idea how popular General Ho- General Hospital, the soap opera, was just as huge as Allentown or Thriller. I swear to God. So mentioning General Hospital was the key. to uh, People were going crazy. There's got to be a video of the performance somewhere. If you've seen the video of this performance from Ithaca College 1983, please write into us. We want to get that video. We know it exists. Yeah, I did it at the at the coffee house and people were going crazy. And that's the day they're like, you got to do stand up. And I'm like, I don't think it's for me. I don't think it's for the cards for me. But uh, that's pretty much the song. <laughs> it was great. And uh, that was a great version. I, I think it might be better than the original. Well, that's what people were saying. But I was trying to be polite, you know. Yeah, like look, I don't want to take away. Look, Billy has a message. There's people who are losing their jobs. Let's not, you know, my jokes about Ithaca and the Long Island girls shouldn't take away from that. Again, what you don't understand again is how huge General Hospital was. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about that for a second? I can't. Uh, I cannot conceive of a time when college kids cared about soap operas. Elon, there was uh, in uh, during that time in 1982. I guess it was 82 or 83. There was this this general hospital had this romance between Luke and Laura. You've probably, I mean, you can look it up in folklore, you know, on Wikipedia. Luke and Laura. 
Laura's ex-husband came back in this, the most watched thing ever. And I was, we were in that, the, the towers in Ithaca. I was on, on the, the 12th floor and the towers were shaking. It was at three o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone was watching. It was that big. I'm talking about boys and girls, mostly girls. <laughs> so putting the word General Hospital in a song was the smartest thing I could ever do <laughs> in 1983. I'm surprised Billy Joel didn't do that. Yeah, I'm surprised too. What an idiot. That guy knows how to capitalize. He should have had a General <laughs> Hospital song. Yeah, you would think, but he was too busy. Where can I put in the word USO? He did teach me a lot. These are my favorite type of Billy Joel songs. So I love one. The more of them he has, the better. I want to hear more about the working man and how pissed off young people are and about how there's not enough coal in the ground. Yeah, yeah. Because those guys in that video definitely look like they were ready to mine some coal. Yeah. If only there was some Coke, they'd really be into it. Iron and Coke and chromium steel. With those lyrics, I didn't know what, I don't know what Coke was. I had to look that up. Chromium steel. I, I didn't know these things, but Billy helped me learn. Yeah, it's the precursor to we didn't start the fire. Right. We this all is just like something. one topic. And then he was like, what if I did a thousand topics? <laughs> That's right. He loves teaching us about history. Well, folks, that was Allentown. If you like our podcast, be sure to leave us a nice review. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. So make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Have you been to Allentown? Is it a dump? Are you German? Do you want to hear Dave sing more often? Let us know. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. And this is-